Well, I just want to spend a little bit of time this morning. If you, if you don't mind, I'm going to do a little bit of vision anyway for who we are as a church because the opportunity of having our mural finished and those words of, uh, from Jeremiah printed on the mural um, gives, it, it's too good an opportunity to not talk about that this morning. And it's a, I want to talk about a little bit what, what God has put on our hearts as a church and what our history is really as a church. Um, one of the things that a church, as a church we've been really passionate about is our city, is Sheffield. And in many ways, many people in this room have been involved in the city of Sheffield and have been involved in serving the city of Sheffield and blessing the city of Sheffield in all sorts of different ways. And I just want to touch on that a little bit, and I want to unpack that verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 7. But I want to put it in the context of um, the rest of the passage. Um, I hope you've had a good holiday, good summer. Some of you will maybe not have had holiday, and you'll be like spitting at me for even mentioning the word holiday because you've worked all the way through. But I hope you've had a good summer. It's been a mixed one, hasn't it, weather-wise? But, it, but we've had a good rest. We went to... Um, we went to Balamori. There'll be certain parents of children of a certain age will will know what I'm talking about. What's the story in Balamori? Wouldn't you like to know? Well done, very good. <laughs> Balamori is actually a fictitious children's program, but it's based on a place called Tobermory on the Isle of Mull, and we went to there. So for those of you who don't know. And one of the places that we um, visited when we were there on the Isle of Mull was um, Iona, a place I've wanted to go to for a long time. Um, <laughs> a good name too. <laughs> Near some islands as well, Sky. Um, um, and we, we, we visited Iona. It's a place I've wanted to go to for a long time. I don't know if you know about Iona, but it was one of the places that Christianity first came to these islands, to Great Britain. And it was, it was uh, established by a, uh, an Irish missionary called Columba, who, who came from Ireland, and they set off in these little boats, coracles. And, and it's a lovely story, you know, that they, they just sat in these boats, put their sails up and said, God, wherever you take me, I will go and preach the gospel. You know, and often they knew they weren't going to come back from where they took them. And one of these missionaries, Columba, ended up on Iona because it's very close to Northern Ireland. You sail across and you come to Iona. And um, one of the things that struck me about Iona, I mean, it's got a history of, of Christian witness um, th- uh, for, for many years. But one of the things that really struck me is that they talked about it being a what they called a thin place. This was something that the Celts often, Celtic Christians, often used to talk about. They, they, they talked about places on, in the world being thin places. And by that they meant that the distance between heaven and earth was really short. That, that heaven broke through into these places. Now I don't know what you think about that. Um, I think possibly there are certain places where the, the, the people of God have witnessed and prayed that become those kind of places, that become thin places. I think there are those sort of places. But I was thinking, I would love Sheffield to be a thin place. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love Sheffield to be a place where the distance between the things of heaven and the things of earth, uh, uh, the, 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 the things of the kingdom of heaven was, was really short, that the kingdom of heaven was breaking through this thin place. They call it, they talked about it being a bit like tissue paper. Is that right, is that right Joel? Did they talk about it being like tissue paper on the, on the side? Like, imagine tissue paper between heaven and earth and, 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 and heaven being able to break through. And I thought, I'd love Sheffield to be that sort of place. And I think this verse, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I've sent you, pray for its well-being, is, is touching on 
this idea that our city is a place that God has a real heart for, that he wants it to prosper. And you and I, as his people, are people that are called to be witnesses to what the kingdom of God is in Sheffield, what the kingdom of God can look like in Sheffield. It can become a thin place, if you like, as the people of God step into all that they're called to be, as the people of God become um, the people that he's called them to be. So let me read you the context. This is Jeremiah 29, um, and it's verses 1 to verse 7. So this is the text of the letter that is the prophet Jeremiah, sorry, that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile. So first of all, the people of God are in exile. They've been taken away by the Babylonians into uh, Babylon, and um, they are not in, they're strangers in a strange land. Those of you who remember, are old enough to remember Boniem, by the rivers of Babylon, that's what that's all about. It's about the people of God being taken into exile and being in a place where they, it's unfamiliar, where being the people of God is hard. How, do, how, does it, how does this work for us is what they're saying. Carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Je- Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Shatner, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And this is the important thing. It said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile, which is the the same verse we've got there. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. The reason Jeremiah said that to the people of God was because there'd been lots of other prophets who'd been saying, just hold up, you've been brought into exile, just try and ride it out, ride the storm. Just do your best to be who you are. Keep being the people of God, but don't get involved with that city. God will come through and uh, he'll rescue. And they were kind of in this siege mentality uh, that those prophets were saying. And Jeremiah saying, no, you're here. This is where you find yourself. It may be a hard place to be. It may be a tough place to be, but you're here. Pray for the place that you are. Where you are, you can be a blessing to this place. Don't... don't, don't huddle away and, become, and have this siege mentality. The people of God were in a strange land. I wonder if you ever feel like you are living in a strange land. There's a lot of missionary writing, uh, writing about mission at the moment, which equates our, the current church situation increasingly like the church in exile, like the people of God in exile. Now, I think there's some truth in that. We've not been forced into exile, but 
we are, I don't know if you find yourself increasingly thinking, how do I live as a Christian in a, in a land that seems to be increasingly different in the way it thinks about things to the way I think about things? And so there are some things, I think, so there are some uh, things we can equate to the experience of the people of God in Babylon. Do you feel sometimes like you are a stranger in a strange land? What does it mean to be a Christian, to have the values of being a Christian in a strange land? And what's your response? And more importantly, what's our response as a church? What are we called to be as part of the glorious church of God in Sheffield? We are one church of of many great churches in Sheffield. What are we called to be as the people of God? What What will bless Sheffield is a good question to ask. What, as a church, should we be that will bless Sheffield, that will fulfill what this verse is saying? There are different types of response you could have. We could be a church that is in the city. And by that I mean we exist for ourselves. We're geographically in the city, but we have no real engagement with them. And to be a church like that, you can do amazing stuff, you can do great services, you can have great worship, you can have great programs, but... When you leave the door, that's it. You're almost like you're living a different life. You know, we kind of do the stuff for ourselves. We get blessed up. but We're in the city, but we're not doing anything for the city. We're not blessing it. We could be a church that's against the city. Unfortunately, I think these sort of churches are becoming less and less. But, sadly, you still... They're still sort of churches that sometimes get put up in the news. And by that I mean a church that um, sees uh, us and them. Look at that sinful world. We are called to be pure. We're the ones that are separate. And the, the problem with this is this: it's been a temptation for the people of God through the ages. Israel was like this. Can you remember Genesis 12? I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. But how quickly the people of God forgot that. And it was about us being the special chosen ones who will get the blessing, but not in order to bless anyone else. But God's plan for his people was always right from the beginning to be blessed in order to be a blessing. You and I are blessed in order to be a blessing to the nations, to all nations, to all people. What does that look like? We don't want to be a church that is against the city. We could be a church that is of the city. This is where we go the other extreme. And in order to be culturally relevant or seeking to be culturally relevant, we actually become very indistinct from the way the world is. That's a real temptation. Because at the heart of it is a desire to relate to people. At the heart of it is a desire to get alongside people. And so we do things in order to attract people, but there's a danger then that we, we lose our distinctiveness. And we compromise maybe sometimes on the things that are the gospel in order not to offend, because we want people to like us and we want people to come. We don't want to be a church that is of the city. What we want to be is a church that is for the city. A church that is for the city, a church that loves its city, but before that loves God and is informed by its love for God and what God says about us and what God calls us to be, so that then we actually have something about us that then blesses the city. We want to be a church that is for 
the city. We bring life to that which is dead. We champion the things that are good and that reflect the things of God and that resonate with the things of God. In Isaiah 5, verses 1 to 7, there's, a vineyard, there's lots of vineyard analogies in the Bible. I don't know if you noticed that. Jesus talks about us being, him being the vine and us being grafted onto the vine. There's lots of talk about being fruitful, isn't there? And, and Isaiah 5, 1 to 7 talks about Israel not bearing the fruit that God intended it to do. Israel was planted to bear fruit, it says. To bear grapes, if you like, to, for the blessing of the nation. And it talks about it only producing sour grapes. The blessing of being his people, that's you and me, is so that his people can be a blessing. The blessing of being his people is so that his people can be a blessing. It's a bit like, I was trying to think of an analogy, it's a bit like bodybuilders. I don't think about bodybuilders that often. But I do work with Sam Evans, so, you know... He, does, he, he works out his knees. He's a bit like bodybuilders. They, they kind of work out, don't they, in order to look good, to look muscly, to kind of to look pretty. But they don't do anything with those muscles. Do you know what I mean? It's like these bodybuilders. Are do, I'm not even going to, really not. I, I almost went there. I'm not going to. But you know what I mean? They, they, they do all this sort of, bodybuilding stuff but it's just to to look strong but not to do anything with the strength the church is called to be a strong body the body of Christ but not to look good but to actually flex its muscle for the benefit of the world for the blessing of the world for the blessing of the city Lifting weight, if you like to carry on the analogy, lifting weight from other people's lives who've got heavy weights on them. Don't you want to be a strong church to build our body, if you like, in order to be able to do that, to bless the city and to lift weight off other people's lives, to be strong in him? God has always been concerned for all the nations, for all the people who don't know him. His people, you and I, his church, we are his solution for the world. Now, that may be a frightening thing. It may be an exciting thing for you. For me, it's a bit of both. But that is God's plan. He sent Jesus, and then he says, you are going to carry on doing the things that I did. You are going to be my body in the world. You're going to be my hands and feet. You're going to be the blessing to this world. God wants a strong body, a strong church, in order for him to carry on his work of blessing the people who don't yet know him and to bring blessing to the cities and the land that doesn't yet know him, that doesn't yet reflect who he is. If you remember the story of Jonah, that always makes me smile, the story of Jonah. Can you remember Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh? Nineveh was, was the heathen place. They weren't the people of God. They were the people who, had, who lived their lives in total opposite uh, way, to the way to the values of God. And remember, God says to Jonah, go and preach to them, go and call them to repentance. And Jonah goes, no way, I'm not going to go there. And his reason was because they might actually do it. They might actually repent. He had this kind of us and them mentality. It always makes me smile. But he, and so you remember the story, you know, he gets, goes on the boat, the storm gets thrown into the sea. 
eaten by a fish, spewed it back on the land, then goes to Nineveh and preaches to them and they repent and they turn back to God. This whole city that has been. And Jonah's response in Jonah 4 verse 1, or what it says about Jonah is, but it seemed a bad thing to Jonah, even after they repented. It seemed a bad thing to him. This was his response. But God's people have always been called to be people who go to the darkest places and call people to repentance and to demonstrate what God's kingdom looks like and to demonstrate that his, that what God's love looks like in the darkest of places. That's what our church is called to be, a church for the city, a church for Sheffield that does that, 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 that brings, breathes life, speaks life into the darkest of places. Now, I want you to be asking yourself as I carry on talking, and I'm only going to carry on talking for another five, ten minutes, is what does that look like for you? What is your frontier? Where are the places where God has placed you? And if he's put something in you, this treasure, what will it look like for the kingdom of God to be displayed through you in the places where you live, where you work, where you do business, where you have leisure, where you go to school, where you go to uni, What does it look like for the kingdom of God to be displayed through you, for you to be a thin place, if you like, between heaven and earth? I've not thought about that, but that'd be great, wouldn't it? Let's pray for us all to be thin places where the kingdom of heaven breaks through our lives into the lives of others. I used to live in York before moving to Sheffield and um, one, do you know, know Roundtree's Chocolate? Do you all remember Roundtree's Chocolate before it got taken over by the conglomerate that is Nestle, Roundtree's Chocolate. When we lived in York, we, when we first lived there, we lived really close to the factory, and you'd wake up in the morning to this smell of chocolate. It was like, live, it was like living in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory land, you know. It's like, and it looked, the factory, if you've ever been past the factory, it looks like the factory in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, but you'd wake up, and this smell of chocolate would, that, until the sugar beet factory started going, and then you got this horrible sugar beet smell. But until then, you got this lovely smell of chocolate. Joseph Roundtree... I don't know if you know much about him. He was a Quaker. He was very much informed by his Christian faith. And he did business in a way that reflected the kingdom of God values. Because of his faith. He knew that he was called to be blessed in order to bless others. There's a village just in uh, outskirts of um, York called New Earswick. He built that village from, uh, as a businessman. He built that village so that his workers could afford housing. This, this is what it meant for him to see, to bless his city, if you like. As a businessman who did what he did. And he did so many other things. He kind of um, made sure that there was good working conditions. He, did, he, he, he brought in pension schemes when there weren't pension schemes. He brought in medical care for, for his workers. He, he, he believed in looking after people and blessing them. He saw himself being blessed as a businessman. And his business prospered. It was prospering before he did that. He did this and it prospered even more to become one of the biggest businesses in the country. And he did it in a way that honoured God. That's what it means to, to, to live a life that blesses your city. Now, that's one example, a businessman. And we're not all business people um, and we won't all be able to do that level of thing. But we all are, are doing our own thing in our own sphere. What does it mean for us to be people who live our lives in a way that brings blessing to our city? God is in the business of transforming communities. Too often, we talk about me. What's God doing in my life, the individual? 
There is importance in that, but God is about transforming communities. He's about transforming cities, about transforming geographical spaces. And we as a church can be called to be part of that, of transforming what God's doing in Sheffield. So what can this look like for us as a church? What can it look like for you as part of this church? A good question to ask maybe that might help you is to ask, what would the kingdom of God look like in the places where I live if it came? If it broke through, what would the kingdom of God look like? What would be there that is in the kingdom? Another way of doing it in a uh, rearranging that question is what wouldn't be there in the kingdom of God what's there at the moment that won't be there in the kingdom of God and then what can I do to either draw attention to the good stuff and fan the flames if you like imagine it a bit like a embers of a fire how can I fan those flames or how can I be a prophetic voice that comes against the things that that are there now that shouldn't be there that won't be there when the kingdom of God comes That's a good question to ask. The kingdom of God breaks into earth now. And he breaks in, it breaks in through the people of God. I came across this quote by Tom Wright. Everything you do in the presence, in the power of the spirit and in union with Christ, everything that flows out of love and hope and grace and goodness somehow will be a part of God's eventual kingdom. Works of justice and mercy and love and hope, somehow in ways we don't understand, will be part of God's new creation. And Bill Johnson, who leads Bethel Church, he does a paraphrase of Romans 12. And he says this, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can communicate and demonstrate the solutions from another world. I like that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can communicate and demonstrate the solutions from another world. Because we believe that heaven will one day come, that the kingdom of God will one day reign. We believe that. Jesus will come again. One day, heaven, God's kingdom will reign again. In the meantime, it is breaking in now as foretaste. A foretaste of the heavenly banquet, we say at communion service, don't we? A foretaste of the heavenly banquet. The, the kingdom of heaven is breaking in and it breaks in through you and me to start bringing heaven to earth now. And as the foretaste of heaven comes through his people, people see who God is and they come to faith in him. It's one of the greatest ways people can learn about who God is as we demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like. Remember in Revelation 21 it says, Behold, I make all things new. Yeah, that's that around the throne of God. There's the, 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 the praise in God, and as the words are spoken out, behold, I make all things new. This is happening now. God is making all things new now through his church that will reach its completion on the day when Jesus comes again, but it's starting now. We are called to be a church for the city, and if you're part of this church, one of the reasons I think you are here and I believe you are here, and I believe I'm here, is because God loves this city and wants it to prosper, and he chooses you and me to be able to help him make that reality happen. And if you're not part of this city, or if you're about to move on to somewhere else, or you're visiting us today, the same is true forever God is taking you. He's calling you to that place for a reason. He's called you to this place for a reason. 
um, Alan Scott, who uh, was at Causeway Coast Vineyard Church in Northern Ireland, but now leads Anaheim Vineyard, where John Wimber used to be. He says this, the dream of God in your life is not that you become a believer and help out the local church. The dream of God over your life is that you come alive in his presence and bring life to every environment, spilling contagious hope into hurting humanity. I'll read that last bit again. The dream of God over your life is that you come alive in his presence and bring to life every environment, spilling contagious hope into hurting humanity. So to finish, Matthew 10, 11 and 13, whatever city or town you enter, let your peace come upon it. Another verse that kind of goes with this verse. Whatever city or town you enter, let your peace come upon it. And then Romans 28, 8 talks about God working together for the good in all things. A verse that often a lot of us know. God works for the good of those who love him in all things. Just a little paraphrase of this. It says in all things God works together with those who love him. That's us. So God works together with those who love him to release what is good in politics. God works together with those who love him to release what is good in medicine. God works together with those who love him to release what is good in work, in business, in family, in schools, in whatever God is placing on your heart, wherever he's planted you. He works for the good in all things with us. One last point, which is what I think is really important to say and links with that response. Remember we said there's a danger of being a church that is of the city. The Babylonians were very clever when they took the Israelites what they did is they'd kill quite a few of the key people in, uh, of a nation that they conquered. And then they'd just bring the rest of them into their country, which is why these people were in exile. And they'd allow them to live. They'd allow them to uh, live fairly freely. And, what, and, and, and in many respects, they lived quite nice lives. But what the Babylonians were doing was basically killing that culture. They were assimilating them into their culture by allowing them to live amongst them. There is a real danger as we seek the blessing of our city that we, in order to be a blessing for our city, we have to have a carrier blessing. We have to be able to be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing and we have to seek God so that we keep our distinctiveness as his people. And that's a hard tension to work out because we're not called to hold it up and just be blessed we are called to go into our city, but how do you keep your distinctiveness when you go into some of the places that you have to go to, where you meet the, some of the people you have to meet, where you, have to, where you go into places of darkness? We can only go if we go in his strength. There's a verse in Exodus 33. Moses said, unless you go with us, he used to pray to God, unless you go with us, God, don't send us. It's a good verse to have on your wall. Unless you go with me, God, please don't send me. And it gets things in the right order. We as a people need to not give up meeting together. 
If you are ever tempted to think, why am I going along and meeting with these people? God calls you to meet together, calls us to meet together. It's so important for us to be together. What we do when we gather is we realign ourselves with God. We focus ourselves back on who he is. We receive the blessing of his Holy Spirit. We receive the encouragement of brothers and sisters who are walking with him. We encourage each other. We pray for each other. When we're feeling weak, when we're feeling down, when we feel we can't go forward, when we're having doubts about our faith, we have brothers and sisters who are there for us and who pray for us and lift us up to God. And that enables us then to be people who go out with a distinctiveness, with a blessing into the world and be a blessing to others, to call out the things of God, to bless people who are already living things of, the things of God but don't know it yet and we can be people who call that out of them. But don't give up meeting together. We need to be people who seek him, seek his presence so that we keep the distinctiveness that we have. So my question, my final question to you this morning is, what does it mean for you to be part of this church that has a calling to bless the city? In the places where you live, what would the kingdom of God coming look like? By the places that you live, I mean not necessarily your home, I mean where you spend time. Work, leisure, friendships, family, what would it look like for the kingdom of God to come there? And how can you fan that into flame? How can you pray that into, flame, uh, into being? How can you speak that into being? How can you do something that enables that to come into being? What would it look like? Let's just pause for a moment. Just spend a bit of time with God. Just ask him to show you. Now you may be in a place where you know what it is, but you know you need him. You may be in a place where you're going, I don't know what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come in through my life to bless wherever I am in this city and whatever I do. Whatever you are at, ask him to show you. What I'd love us to do, if you feel comfortable with this, I would like you to turn to someone next to you and I would like you to say to them, could you just bless me for his presence or for this place, this thing, that I, this frontier, if you like, this place where I want to see the kingdom of God come. Whatever it is, ask him to bless you. If you don't know what it is, that's fine. Just ask God to ask that person to bless you. Don't, please, if you're, when you bless people, don't do loads of words. Just say, God, bless this person. Fill them with this, your spirit. Carry on doing the work that you're doing. That's all we need to do. God does the work. We don't need to kind of do lots of words around it. But just say to that person, this is the thing. It helps sometimes to name it. And then just bless that person. In the, we'll do this very quickly. One minute, two minutes. If you really don't want to, please don't feel pressured to do this. Just spend, keep spending time with God. That's fine. So just go do that for one minute, two minutes.